1: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're true. You'll be set for life. Turn to Judges chapter 20. That's where we're gonna be today to help you get there faster. It comes right after Judges 19. Good. Some of you are awake. Thank you. While you're flipping there, I just want to tell you about... uh, Guys, I'm ready to unload this message on you today. I've been going through this message for about a half a year. And I told the Lord what you're doing with me over this last half a year, if you'll give me the opportunity to tell people about it, I'll do it. And then Ron called me up and said, against the flow, and I said, oh yeah, I got one for that. For a long time, I've had aches and pains... I've had back surgery, knee surgery, abdominal surgery. I lost my whole core, so I started putting on weight and just the things you don't wanna have to deal with, right? So I couldn't mow my front and backyard in the same day. I was, I was just out of energy, didn't have it. Uh, my nose was constantly stopped up. I couldn't breathe, and it made it even hard to eat. Well, how'd you gain weight? No, not just. But it was hard to eat because I couldn't breathe, which means I couldn't sleep at night. Very, very good. I got up to almost 300 pounds. Now, there's a picture coming. Don't pop it yet because <laughs> this is going to be the scariest moment of my pastoring career right here. But I was almost 300 pounds. I was in stage one hypertension on my blood pressure. And the doctor, you know, the doctors, they have that look that they give you like, And you're like, just say it, you know, just don't, I'm a man, I can take it. And then they tell you, you need to lose weight. And you're like, oh my God, he told me. But tell me, he goes, you need to lose weight. And he said, if you don't change something now, if you don't get rid of this weight right now, I'll be diabetic in just over five years. Plus a whole bunch of other things that was coming. And that scared me. I didn't want to have to deal with that. So what did I do? The first thing everybody thinks they should do, you just run off to the gym and start trying to power it out. Guys, I'm telling you going to the gym doesn't make you lose weight. Contrary to popular belief, it doesn't do it. I worked to power it out and I only dropped six pounds and then I plateaued. The gym will not help you lose weight if your intake is wrong. That's the problem. My intake was wrong. So I needed to lose weight, but I didn't know how to do it. How do you do it? I want it, but I don't know how to do it. Well, I met somebody, I was at a Petra concert in Missouri. Anybody know Petra? Y'all remember Petra? Come on, pet heads, there you go. I I saw Petra just last year, met a guy there who just happened to tell me he lost over 100 pounds in less than a year. And I'm like, Okay, that kind of hit me, but I, I was a little hesitant to take him up on it. Well, one day I was at Whataburger, the best hamburger on the planet, also the worst one for you, okay, and he posts these pictures of his before and after. And I'm holding my phone in one hand, looking at his before and after, and I'm holding a big, sloppy, juicy, greasy, cheese, bacon, you name it, Whataburger in my other hand, And I got so mad at myself, thinking, you fool, you're the one stuffing this in your face. I got so angry. I literally took the burger, the half uneaten part, and I put it on the wrapper. I dumped the fries on it, and I took the wrapper, and I got it in a big ball, and I squished it up because I was so mad. Ray, you're the one that did this. I squeezed it up so I couldn't change my mind and go back. And I threw it away. Get rid of this thing. I immediately called my friend up and I said, whatever it is you're doing, I want in. This was back in December, which means I began to do this diet right in the middle of the holidays, when everybody's eating, okay? So Pastor Ron said this series is called Against the Flow. Trust me, I know what Against the Flow is because everybody's chomping down on cake and ice cream and I'm the one guy that can't, right? So I had to keep myself under control and I had to learn three things. Now, I'm no doctor and I'm not trying to pretend to be one, but it's just my name for stuff. Don't go ask your doctor, well, Ray said this, what is it? This is just Rayisms, Okay. I had to learn three things that I call the perfect trifecta, and the perfect trifecta is eat right, drink right, and sleep right. And they told me, do not go to the gym. It's not going to help you. Eat right, drink right, sleep right. My meals had to be weighed, I had to go get one of them kitchen scales, no, no more eat until you burst. I had to drink, and still do. <laughs> This is why you don't have to worry about me running too long tonight. I have to hydrate hard, drink over seven bottles of water per day, more than that. No more staying up late at night. No more staying up late, blowing up zombies on the computer and all that kind of stuff. You you go to bed. You sleep. That's part of it. you got to rest. Your body does things when you're resting. And so, three things. I had to do them right, and I had to do them Consistently. You got to stick with it. You don't do it one time and one day and go, oh, I've been on this diet for five hours and nothing worked. I quit. You get in it and you get in for the long haul. You stay, commit. People have lost the concept of commit, commitment today. Eat, drink, and sleep. Now, from December through May, put the picture up, please. I lost over 70 pounds. Where's that picture? I was thinking this is my big scary moment here. Dang, I look bigger. Oh, it's, the, it's, the, it's just a big screen. Okay, well, I lost over 70 pounds. My pain is gone. I can jump and stuff. I can even jump on the leg that I had surgery on. I'm springier. The chiropractor was working me. She goes, man, you're easy to get in there. I said, yeah, my parts ain't packaged in bubble wrap no more. I can breathe again. My sinus is cleared up. I didn't know my nose. I thought I had allergy problems. My nose was, was inflamed. I couldn't breathe because of this. My blood pressure has fallen back down to normal and I'm no longer headed towards diabetes. It is all gone. I had to go buy new clothes. Oh, this is fun. Now I lost more weight and had to go buy new clothes again. That wasn't so fun, because I just doubled my expense. But still, it's kind of cool. <laughs> one evening and one evening now, I can go and mow both of my yards and now I even mow my neighbor's yard too, just because I want to be nice to him, all in the same evening. I'm powering, man. Mm, Let's get it. And I went to pick up some friends at the airport that hadn't seen me in a long time. They live in Israel, and they finally got to come over here. I stood where the departures come out to baggage claim, and I stood right there, looked at them, and they walked right by me. And I went, yes! They didn't know it was me. I was excited. Now, I have this trash can in my office that I don't use too often, and it's kind of tucked back there, and I forgot it was there. From December to May. I forgot it was there, little one. So I went and said, Oh, I need to dump it out. And when I dumped that trash can out, I was shocked at what fell out of it. (laughs) Dozens upon dozens upon dozens of Orange Reese's wrappers. That was my wake up moment. You were the one that did this to yourself. I had no idea, I had been stuffing that junk into me. Reese's are good, but they should be called inflammatory tablets, because that's exactly what they are. They're sugar. One morning I got on the scale, you know, I've been losing all this weight, doing good, and one morning I got on the scale, and the scale said, nope, no loss today. And I got so mad at that scale, I wanted to throw it out the window. And and then I wanted to go outside the window and beat it up with a hammer, I I was infuriated. But the scale was truthful to me, even though I was mad at the scale. The scale was honest with me. And my wife said, you know, it's probably because you ate that handful of chips last night. And my thought was, well, it's just a few. Well, apparently, that few was enough to blow my progress for the day. So do you know what you... This is a real hard message to talk about after a bunch of guys just ate. (laughs) No, I wasn't watching (laughs) y'all. hope you weren't watching me either. (laughs) You know what you call somebody that can't stick to a diet? A deserter. Come on. (laughs) Working you. So I was eating right, I was drinking right, and I was sleeping right. But just one time when I took something in, that little handful of chips that was contrary to the plan And it hindered my victory that one time. I'm going to make a huge spiritual parallel on you here shortly. So I'm just drawing you in right now. Come on. So that's my hook line, but let's get into Judges chapter 20. Previous chapter to that, let me set the stage for you real quick. There was a Levite who had a concubine that was murdered by some Benjamites. So he wanted to call all the clans together to get a hearing together so that they could determine what they ought to do about whoever it was that killed her. So Judges 20 and 1 says, So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, as well as from the land of Gilead, and the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mizpah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard, big point, heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. Then the children of Israel said, tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? So the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, my concubine and I went into Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. To spend the night. And the men of Gibeah arose against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished my concubine so that she died. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. Look, all of you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here and now. Okay deep story here. There's a lot going on. Everybody's upset, but you notice every tribe showed up except the Benjamites because they were the ones that did it. It happened in their territory. Okay. Verse three says the Benjamites heard that Israel had gone up, but they decided not to show up. They didn't want to be put on the spot because somebody in their land did it. Imagine how infuriating this would be to the other 11 tribes recognizing Benjamin did not show up. Now they're getting even more mad. It made it look like the Benjamites were harboring or protecting some criminals that committed this murder, like they were encouraging it. Judges 20 and 8. So all the people arose as one man, saying, none of us will go to his tent, nor will any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. We will take 10 men out of every 100 throughout all the tribes of Israel, 100 out of every 1,000, and 1,000 out of every 10,000 to make provisions for the people that when they come to Gibeah in Benjamin, they may repay all the vileness that they have done, finger point, finger point, that they have done. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city united together as one man, okay? So everybody agreed that this Benjamite city of Gibeah is just so wicked that we're gonna go and make them pay for what they did, okay? The problem here in the context where the chapter is, where we're at, is that up to this time, all of Israel had been collectively sinning. Oh, but let's go get them. You see what I'm saying? They were all sinning. So the 11 tribes basically overlooked their own sin. No, we're going to go make the Benjamites pay for their wickedness. You know, something doesn't smell right here, does it? Judges 20 and 12. Then the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now, therefore, deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Instead... The children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go battle against the children of Israel. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute here. This just went kaboom. The Israelites didn't come to fight the whole tribe. All they wanted was just the men that committed the crime. So now everybody's ready to go to war. Wars just go like that, don't they? Poof, there's a war. Now, you know how when you watch a UFC fight, And before they have the fight, they show the picture of the two fighters and they have all the stats listed, you know, their reach, their age, their weight, and all these things. Okay, these next verses are gonna give us the the stats of all these sides, okay? Judges 20 and 15. And from their cities at that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men. Among all this people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. Now, besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah first. All right, now when you look at the numbers, the odds do not fall in Benjamin's favor, do they? It does not. Israel had 15 times the military force that Benjamin had, because Benjamin's just one little tribe here. 15 times. And it seems like a sure win for the children of Israel against the Benjamites. Verse 8 says Israel rose as one man. So they're all united together, right? they all rose as one man okay come on guys let's go get them we're all together in this right so they're united and verse 18 says they inquired of god and it says the lord answered them judah first now wait a minute everything looks good doesn't it we're all united together and god even answered no it's not right there's something wrong here what's wrong we got to keep reading to find out (laughs) But the Lord said, Judah first. He answered them. They're thinking, though, going into this, man, we got this made in the shade, man. We're going to get these guys. Judges 20 and 19. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah, and the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah, and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the israelites benjamites didn't go down on this one guys israelites did how did the benjamites wipe everybody else they were outnumbered 15 to 1 israel was united together god even told them how to do it so why'd they get beat how'd they get beat keep reading Judges 20 and 22, it says, and the people, that is the men of Israel. I want you to specify, underline whatever you got to do, where it says the men, the men, very important. And the people, that is the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Now look at verse 23. It says, then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, go up against him. So the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day, and Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day, and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. What? You just got beat twice. No, God told us to go, and we got beat. What is going on? That's what I think when I first read this stuff. The Benjamites beat them twice, still outnumbered, and still beat them. They asked God how to do it a second time. Guys, if God told them how, why did they lose? Didn't Israel do everything right? The hard answer is no, they did not. And I'm going to show you. A careful observation of the text shows... The only thing that Israel did in unity was accuse somebody else. Guys, we got a lot of that going on out there in our culture today. Oh, everybody gets together, stand our ground. Why? To accuse them? To accuse them? You're faulted. You've got stuff wrong. We don't like you. What's this? Is wrong, guys. That's all they did was to accuse Benjamin of their sin. They had their own. These 11 tribes of Israel had yet to confess their own sin. Wow. This is painful to read. United, together, they came finger-pointing at someone else, but before God, they were divided. How do I say that? Look at verse 22. It gives us a specific detail. It says, and the people that is the men. Do y'all see the specification, the specifics there? The men of Israel. We're talking about just the men here, not everybody. It says they pumped themselves up, they encouraged themselves. Can you just hear, y'all ever watch Braveheart? Come on men, suck up that gut, let's go in, we're men. I can hear it. Let's show those Benjamites. And they formed the battle line and went in to fight. Verse 23 says the children of Israel, means everybody else, They're the ones that went up and wept before the Lord and wept inquiring of what to do. So let me ask you, did the men weep and ask the Lord what to do? No. They were too busy playing Braveheart. Rambo. Come on, guys, we can do this. There's division. You see that? The only thing they did united was accuse. So after suffering from one defeat already, the men should have been with their families. And I'm gonna drill that hard. Men, you're responsible for your families. You lead them. Controversial talk right there, but it is biblical. They should have been with their families, weeping before the Lord and inquiring of the Lord with them. The men had neglected their leadership role. And so God's answer to them on how to fight the Benjamites was not for the purpose of winning, but so that they would be defeated for the purpose of being humbled down. Ouch. I brought some steel toe shoes in the truck. Y'all want any? Got some if you want them. I got a big foot. You can probably fit it. To humble them down. They needed to be humbled down from the ignorant pride that they had just accused the Benjamites with. Now, y'all watch this, okay? I showed you how to look at words. You watch this next part. Judges 20 and 26. Then, what does it say? All the children, that is what? All the people. Now we're getting somewhere. All the people went up and went out and fought the Benjamites. No, it's not what it says, says all the people went up and came to the house of God and wept. Even the big macho men, we men don't cry. Even they went and they wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. They offered burnt, burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Now we're cooking. Now things are firing right. Now they're not united just to go accuse somebody of their sin, but they're united before the Lord to weep over their own sins. I know they're sorry for their own sins because it said they did burnt offerings. They're sorry for what they did. It took two defeats in a row to humble them down. But before the second defeat, only the children of Israel wept, not the men, because the men encouraged themselves. The men did not inquire of God. They left that to everybody else. And so God let them get beat. Why? Because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. It took two solid good whippings to get them low enough to weep and fast and pray.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life.